truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todders and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to join us too. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook though, who doesn't like us very much. So you can give it the old college try, but I, I doubt it's going to work. Uh, just look up Steve Dace Show on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We've got a jam-packed Steve Dace Show for you today. And can I say Steve Dace Show one more time? I just did. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, pretty cool that science is now confirmed. We are going to totally revolutionize our understanding of freedom and liberty in America based on a complete and total canard scam. Which one? Exactly. That's why I didn't give you the topic. Could have been numerous things, right? But I kind of think you might know which one this one is, right? It's one of the biggest ones of them all, okay? Uh, Also, next hour, it is uh, fake news or not. We've got a collection of clips. Todd and Aaron, you will be giving your verdict. Are these clips fake news or not? And then we've got Pop Culture Tuesday, uh, where I'm just going to basically trigger the two of you. That's essentially what I'm doing. I'm I'm just triggering you guys. Are you ready? Is this a pumpkin spice thing? No, you don't know. I emailed it to you. Don't don't tell the audience what it is. Todd and I huddled before the show about this. Okay. No, it is not a pumpkin spice thing. But I did bring a pumpkin spice Twinkie with me today with my lunch here at work. Really? You didn't tell us that before. <laughs> like right when you pulled it out of your bag. I think that I might totally have said, didn't happen. Did I say good morning first? Tell us or taunt us. Which one? Did I say good morning before? I, I, I knew it wasn't much into my conversation when I arrived this morning that I informed you I had one of these. I might have said good morning first. Maybe. You know, the, the cursory, that's kind of the dude code when you're going to taunt your, your nemesis. You, you, you throw out the cursory greeting you know, it's like two football coaches in a rivalry game meeting at midfield. You know, how's the wife? Yeah, whatever, dude. All right. So I did, I think I did give you guys the cursory good morning, right? That yeah. happened. And yeah. then, but it, there wasn't much of a, there no, wasn't there, much of a wait. No, there was not. Yeah. I might've said good morning and I brought a pumpkin spice Twinkie with me. It yep. might've been kind of a run on sentence yes. perhaps, but this is a different trigger and oh, Erzin, you will be triggered. You you will be triggered by what we are going to discuss in Pop Culture Tuesday yes. coming up a little bit later on. And, and, and I, I, I like to typically wait and spring things on you guys because, and I like it when you do that to me too, because I just think it's good for the audience as often as possible to see the unfiltered reaction, you know, the visceral reaction. But I, I wanted to take a chance that I might ruin your evening <laughs> by giving you a heads up that this is the topic we're going to do today. Just tell me it worked. Tell me it worked. Tell me you had to sleep on the couch last night. No, but your kids, it, your kids volunteered to go to bed early because they just wanted to get away. It I, ruined enough of it. Let's it? just put it that way. See, I didn't see it till I got in here this morning. It's, oh, like, so, that, so, it's like that meme that goes around Twitter. Ah, bleep! Here we go again. Yeah. No, it's it's a slight trigger for you, but I am wholeheartedly attempting to trigger Urza, and I will own up to that. And the fact that it it, it somewhat was a downer on your evening last night. I'll take that as a W. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by some amazing news. Planned Parenthood says heartbreaking news to share. Two Planned Parenthood health centers in Ohio will be forced to close later this month due to relentless state and federal attacks against sexual and reproductive health care. Unfortunately, Planned Parenthood's acolytes in the media are still beating the drum for late term abortions. This time it's the Associated Press. What I would learn the hard way is when you first stop taking birth control, that first couple weeks, that first like few days, you're your most fertile. So I got pregnant in like early February. Um, and I wouldn't know, have the suspicion I was pregnant until about late July. They said that they would be able to help me, but I had to get there before I turned 28 weeks. And so I had less than 10 days. Um, and they said that my procedure would cost about $10,500. It's not a decision to be made lightly because on top of, or like I didn't make it lightly um, because it was on top of a large um, emotional like turning point, like decision to make in my life. It was a large financial decision to make. A pro-life billboard in Chicago was defaced last week, but I don't think it went how the vandals wanted it to go. Over the picture of a baby on the billboard is spray-painted the words, My body, my choice. Whoops. Moving on, Valerie Plame, yes, that Valerie Plame, is running for Congress in New Mexico. She's facing some criticism for her sharing of anti-Semitic content on social media. If it were one, to be one and done, but you've shown other interest in that website before, why would you have anything to do with a website that is operated or at least provided by a guy who's a Holocaust denier? Um, because social media and Twitter is uh, can be a pretty hateful environment, and it doesn't exactly lend itself to thoughtful discussion or reading all the way through. I made a terrible mistake, and I hurt people whose beliefs I respect, and I apologized for it. I get it. I'm not beating you over the head with that one instance. I'm saying there was more than one. Is there something about that site uh, that you like or that you think is relevant for people? Um, sometimes art, all sorts of things come across, as you know, uh, in social media that uh, you don't read all the way through. And, you know, and that's why I'm not on Twitter anymore. The New York Times deleted a tweet calling Mao Zedong, quote, one of history's great revolutionary figures. A new poll from Monmouth shows most Americans support an assault weapons ban, oppose mandatory gun buybacks and have broad support for so-called red flag laws. An update on the border. Apprehensions at the southern border have dropped 56% since the crisis peak. That's according to the Department of Homeland Security. The Trump administration is still mum on when sections of new border wall will be built where no pre-existing barriers were. And an eighth illegal alien has been charged with a sex crime in Montgomery County, Maryland since July 25th. A new study recently released by an international research team looked at the genes of nearly a half million people and concluded there were no genetic variations that could reliably predict someone's same-sex behavior. That seems kind of important, but who cares? The first LGBTQ credit union is preparing to launch in Michigan. The state of Michigan approved the charter for Superbia Credit Union, which seeks to prioritize members of the alphabet soup community. It's time for an update on gender-inclusive language. Here's now this. Hey guys, welcome back to Now This. <laughs> guys is a simple term. It could mean boys, or if you're modern, hip, it means people. 
At first glance, Guy seems inviting, friendly, maybe warm, even comedic at times. But it, like many male default terms, should not be normalized as an all-encompassing phrase, innocent as it may seem. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is chill out, dudes. Relájate, muchachos. And finally, feminists rejoice. The patriarchy has finally been smashed. What we're watching is a video of a guy and a gal walking down the street. The woman is struggling to carry a large drum of water while the dude is carrying next to nothing. Fortunately, he helps her by situating the drum of water on her shoulder. And that's what happened while we were away. I believe he was carrying a purse. That's what it looked like. Yeah, he had a purse. He had a purse while she's carrying one of those like water cooler water drums that are like, what are those things like? Uh, Five gallons? Yeah. Yeah. So about 50 pounds, probably. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she's carrying that while he's got a purse. But he did help well, her. He sex. did help her resituate yeah. on her shoulders. Yeah. So he's, Chivalry's not quite dead yet, ladies. He's a hero. He did not assume her gender. Agreed. This is the fulfillment of what you want, right? Absolutely. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. Most of us have tens, even hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity stored up in our homes. It's our savings account, a retirement nest egg maybe, um, maybe just quick cash in case of an emergency. Well, now imagine you go to cash in and the equity is gone. Stolen by online thieves, it's called home equity theft, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes. Thieves have discovered that our home titles are kept online now, so they forge a few documents to make it appear as if they sold your home. Then they take out loans using your equity. You may already be a victim of equity theft and not even know it. No bank or identity theft protection protects you, but for pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a firewall around your home's online title and mortgage, and the instant they detect any tampering, they will mobilize to shut it down. Protect your most valuable asset from equity thieves. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and enter your address to see if you're already a victim. That's HomeTitleLock.com, and while you're there, register now for 60 risk-free days of protection for your most important investment at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. We're going to have a guest join us here at the bottom of the hour to uh, discuss this study uh, on the so-called gay gene. And if I could summarize this study, and I I think you've read more about it than I have, Todd, um, because this is, they've done this study before, and they always come back with essentially the same bottom line. This one's a little bit more nuanced. If I read this right, it says there is no definitive marker that claims you are born this way. There may be some genetic markers that have you predisposed to what it called uh, risky behavior. Is that kind of what the study called? All manner of risky behavior. All manner yes. of risky behavior. And of course, if you look at life expectancies of white males, if they're homosexual compared to those who are not, there's a, a tremendous difference there, for example. Um, so, And those predisposals are affected, and we've also known this for a while. It's a nurture-affecting nature sort of thing. The way we, I mean, grief, you talk about this, the way we are raised, the switches it turns on or off right, in us. right. And so homosexuality, according to this exhaustive study, it, 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 the best they could come up with is that it is uh, a behavioral outcome as a result of, of um, your environment nurturing you to embrace your tendency towards more unconventional, unorthodox, or dangerous behaviors. Correct. Is that fair? It's very Because I want to be it's, as fair to the study and, it's, and not overstate it as I possibly can. Okay.
We're gonna di- we're gonna discuss that uh, coming up with a guest at the bottom of the hour uh, because there's so many public policy issues that are derivative of this entire fallacy. But we're gonna talk about that here at uh, at the bottom of the hour. Um, Valerie Plame. So let me give you the rest of the story. All right, if you, if that name sounds familiar, I believe she was Barack Obama's national security advisor. Correct? Uh, was she the one that? Uh, that that was the original uh, proffer of the lie that Benghazi was because of a video about Muhammad that no one had seen. Is that who I'm thinking of? No, no, okay. she was the, not. Yeah, she's the. She's the. Oh, Valerie Lame is Scooter the disgrace. Libby. Is the one Scooter, that Scooter yeah. Libby yeah. Yep, yep, went yep. to jail for. Yep. Okay, all right. You got to forgive me. There's so many of these con <laughs> artists. I, I, I can't keep it. It's rare started. when my it's rare okay. when my memory is better than yours. So right. I had to stall there and think. Uh, are yeah. we talking about you know, the same? My, my 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 memory wanted to regurgitate about a dozen of these hacks all at once, <laughs> and I I just kind of chose one in my head and went with it. All right, and that, and I, but I wasn't sure. That's why I asked you. Do I have it right? Okay. So she's the one that uh, Scooter Libby was uh, falsely accused, essentially for right, because I believe that over his conviction was eventually overturned. Mm-hmm. Um. Here's the rest of the story that Aaron did not include in his montage. And I'm glad he did not, because I, I want to be the one to tell you this. So her, her cover story, and I got to say, if you can't hold up to the rigorous cross-examination of one Chris Cuomo, I, I have to, you know, on second thought, you're perfect for Congress. That's exactly, you're exactly what the system is looking for. I mean, if you, if you can't out critically think Chris Cuomo, congratulations, you're elected. <laughs> but, um, the, 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 the title of the article, so she said, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, you just share things online and you're not sure. Do you guys want to know what the title of the article was that she shared that Cuomo is asking her about? Kind of, that, yeah. That, kind that, of do. That, <laughs> that she said that she's like, you know, this just kind of his, she, you know. Didn't read it all the way through. Yeah, it's just, it's like, she's like Aaron when Moses got back from, from the mountain. I, I don't know what happened. You know, I mean, they had some gold. They threw it in this fire and this golden calf came out. I mean, I, I'm just standing here. I didn't know. What do you expect me to do? I know you left me in charge, but how was I supposed to know? And I went with that metaphor on purpose. Um, the title of the article are, um, or the title of the article was, so I want to make sure I use proper grammar here. So let me try that again. The title of the article that Valerie Plame is, is saying she was ignorant of its, of its full contents. The title, America's Jews are driving America's wars. That, deal with that. Just a bit outside. That, that is the title of the article. America's Jews are driving America's wars. But it was that last paragraph that she just gla- glazed over, glossed right, over. Right, right. I just really tripped her up there. She's, right. Yep. She went full Costanza that. I mean, is that wrong? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if somebody mean, would have just told me. You know how it is. No one reads the titles these days, Chris. <laughs> and people just kind of grab a sentence or two right out of the 17th paragraph there in the middle that really catches their fancy. That's, that's how we roll today. That's right. So she was totally ignorant of... of of the ramifications of sharing an article titled America's Jews are driving America's wars. Erzin, your thoughts. Uh, my, my, well, first of all, if we ever do the cynical audiobook retelling of the Bible, I, I want you to do it because that voice you used when uh, the golden calf thing. Yes. That I was not what it was, what you expect. I didn't know. Right. I, my thoughts is uh, like Valerie Plame. Like, can this is, you know how many ridiculous rabbit holes? It's it, This goes beyond Valerie Plame, that we are going to be going down in the next several months. I think 
you know, whatever the year of BS is going to transition into, and you gave us a flavor of that, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we can wait till January. I think we need we might need to lay down some markers sooner because they it. I mean, come on, man. How how stupid does she think you are? Well, well, I got to stop myself again. Which channel was this on? Which audience is she addressing? Right? So, you know what? I hate, again, I hate to give you the contrarian take here. I I really don't set out to do it all the time. It just, I think most of what we are originally fed or is, is dumb and most of our original inclinations aren't true. All right? It, it should be true that this is beyond an insult to you and I's intelligence. It, that's what should be true here, right? But we mentioned she was the spy that, that Scooter Libby was originally mm-hmm. charged with, with doxing before we knew what that word meant, right? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that given some of the clips that we have shared over the years on this program from one Chris Cuomo, who, as the late, great Gorilla Monsoon used to say on, on, on Monday Night Pro Wrestling on the USA Radio, on the USA Television Network, doesn't have both oars in the water, right? Okay. We're talk- we are talking about the Fredo of the family here, correct? Okay. Is it possible that she's like, you know what, man? I got to get this past me. Okay. I just, I got to deal with it. I got to address it and get it out of the way. And let's face it, I'm going to get, you know, I just got to get, I, I got to get the nomination and the vast majority of Jewish people are going to vote for me anyway, just because of identity politics, as that is. So I, I just got to get past this. Who, where would I, where do I go? At some point, someone's going to ask me about it. Where do I go? To, who, who would I pick? If I could literally pick anybody with a platform on any channel, who would I pick to be the one to ask me about this and then spoon feed them an absolutely ridiculous answer that just, that just eight ball urinates on people in the desert and claims that it's raining outside. What, what is there an audience out there that has shown they would be predisposed to say, I, I, I want to fall for the banana on my tailpipe. Is there an audience that, that, that seems primed and poised to accept if I open my mouth, feces with corns in it comes out and just take that at face value. Well, yeah, but it's the same audience who is also uh, just fine with you being an anti-Semite anyways. I mean, all she would have, she doesn't need to do that to come correct. She just needs to go get a photo op with the other four that are in the tribe or the clique or what did we call them? Um, you know, Ocasio-Cortez and the other three. Oh, the squad. The, the yes. squad. They're yeah. all anti-Semites too. This is, a, she's, she's thinking too hard. This is what, the, what right? you do 10 years That's ago. True. That's true. You, you, now she, you're probably right about that. But I, I kind of think it's possible that, you know, as a, as a former spy, she probably thought she was getting over here by, by running this scam and handpicking this show to be the one to have it come up. When in reality, she, she, she probably just needed somebody on her staff to say, Val, all you need to do is just go on that show and say, I'm, a, I'm running for office as a Democrat and Donald Trump's a racist. And it really doesn't matter what you have done in your past. In fact, we could have film of you writing the headline for that article on that website and hitting send. And if you yeah. go on, if you go on, on, uh, on CNN and say, 
this is a banana. Donald Trump's a racist and I'm running for office as a Democrat. No one's going to care. She could have just done that. She should have right? gone on Don Lemon's show. She tried to set up. No, don't, don't. It's fine. Uh, but don't, Don, we should talk about. No, you're and, good. And, 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 and Don, that's why Trump's a racist. Well, I'm asking you about uh, your anti-Semitic right. And that's why Trump's an anti-Semite. Couldn't agree more, Val. Let's yes. move on to the next topic. Why do you think yeah. Trump's a racist again? Right? That's what. That's do you think it. that's what would happen? Chris Hayes would have been another would, would have been another option. I, I don't know if you. Chris want to Hayes go. would have said, you know, if she had not shared this anti-Semitic yeah. article, she, she would, would be not. an anti-Semite. That's what Chris <laughs> yeah. Hayes would have said. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Know, I don't know if you want to open up this can of worms. Maybe this is another. What is it with Darwinists, leftists, and anti-Semitism? I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, you look at the UK right now, the leftists there, huge problem with anti-Semitism. Hmm. We see that increasingly on the left in the Do United States. Do we have States. any example, like any real vivid examples in history? Of Darwinists. Of committed yeah. Darwinists mm -hmm. uh, with institutional yeah. anti-Semitism. Yeah. <sighs> I got nothing. So I, I can't answer your question. Yeah. I, I, there's no really no precedent for it that I'm aware of. Uh, by the way, just complete coincidence. I noted that uh, last week was the, uh, I believe, the uh, 80th anniversary, correct, of uh, the beginning of World War II. Just a fun fact. Totally random. Um, let's continue uh, with what's in uh, the montage, shall we? Um, 26 weeks, or 26 weeks is the woman in that video who's uh, from the Associated Press, visibly showing. 26 weeks, visibly showing. And she's being celebrated by the Associated Press, which is the source code for your left America media. They, they dictate terms, styles, everything. All right? The Associated Press is the source code. They're the cue of the uh, left America gospels. They're the, uh, they're the source code, source material that they all read off of. And now the Associated Press is promoting a woman, 26 weeks visibly pregnant, going and killing her child. We are at the point now, there's good news and bad news on the life front. The good news is we have drawn them out now, to be honest. This is really just, I want to kill human beings. I don't want to have to worry about, look at, or be responsible for. That's all that it is. This is just, um, uh, this, this is just the spirit of Cain. That's all. The, the bad news is, though, that now that that's all out in the open, we have a limited window left to truly make the case on this issue. Because if we don't make the case right now, what is a life and when does life begin? No more, you know, if you walk and chew gum at the same time and promise not to wear white after Labor Day and um, you, you hopscotch and, you know, um, uh, you read the eye chart first then you can kill the baby. Every single policy we pursue as a movement should be about begging the question, what is a life and when does life begin? No more the regulation practice of abortion. And, and, and here's the reason why. Now that they're out in the open, 
we're, we're approaching a Dred Scott moment. We may, we may be there. We may never get one at the Supreme Court. But culturally, we are there. What's, what do I mean by a Dred Scott moment? That's where the U.S. Supreme Court looks at a man, acknowledges that that is a man and a human being by taking his case. And then saying, but we don't want you to be. Regardless of what is in front of us, regardless of, of what is obvious to us, we don't want to be a republic based on self-evident truths. We want to be a, a, a republic or a democracy based on self-preferred truths. What we want to be true. So we'll even call you by your name, sir. We'll even call you by your Christian name. We will acknowledge your humanity while we're stripping it from you. And that's a galvanizing moment. And, and when, when the enemy reveals himself like that, that's where, you come up, that's where you come forth now with your Emancipation Proclamation. That's now where you have to raise your bar now in response to the enemy raising his. And, and stop down here playing games and realize stuff just got real because now it's in your face. So no more Father Frank Bavone goes out to some state I think it was Montana a few years ago and argues to anesthetize babies before you abort them. Enough of that. Enough. No more, no more bills about sonograms. Support, support ministries like Save the Storks that do that right there on the street. All right? Because if you, if you do this on a, on a policy level, who's performing most of those sonograms or claiming they are? Who's doing it? The abortion mill is. Think they might lie? Maybe. So the good news is you, we have finally, after all of these years, drawn them out. And all of the other uh, you know, flower power arguments we've been putting up with for decades are all off the table now. Now we're just going to watch a woman visibly pregnant leave what looks like a pretty nice home to me. Did she like she was from a slum to you? Not at all. And the story still let her get away with the fact that she said I was in a cash poor situation or yes. something like that. I mean, the yeah. propaganda is a And she's taking her dog out for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of cool. When most of us are doing what? Working. All right. So th this is all gone now. All of the arguments are gone. They're, they're just going to go with now. We're, we're going to kill these kids. What are you going to do about it? Right? That requires us, therefore, to, to take it as seriously as they're forcing us to. Stop playing games now. What is a life and when does it begin? Anything we pursue that doesn't beg those two questions is a loss leader because that group in the middle that we talked about yesterday who may not agree with us on a lot of issues but thinks the other side's gone too far crazy, if, if we don't make the argument, what is a life and when does it begin? Let me tell you what they're going to do. They're going to shut down. And they're going to say, I just want this controversy to go away. I'm worried about my job. This is a case where now, in, in, in some cases yesterday we mentioned in order to reach that group, you might want to tone down your rhetoric a little bit. In this case, you want to ratchet it up. The language the president has used, executing those babies, that's the exact right kind of language. You want to use that language. Because this is, the, this is where there's a window now in a moment. And I don't, it could be a few years, could be a decade, I don't know. I don't know the future, but the signs are there. The, the window of opportunity to end this once and for all is there. Not tomorrow, not in six months. But if we, if we take the appropriate steps in this window, 
<clears throat> we can end this once and for all, take advantage of the time that we have. But if we don't, we may never. You have any thoughts on that, gentlemen, before we get to the bottom of the hour break? Yeah, I just, um, I wish I could tell this to you off the air, kind of in hushed tones. Uh, maybe we could go back into the corner there so that we're not around other people. But I've been reliably informed, though, Steve, that, um, you know, any efforts that are begging those questions are just going to be counterproductive. We really need to focus our efforts, though, on electing, taking back the Senate, <laughs> uh, getting a bigger majority in the House of Representatives for Republicans. That way we can elect uh, justices to the United States Supreme Court who have great views on the Chevron Doctrine. And then abortion will be, um, what were we talking about again? Uh, we're talking about <clears throat> how uh, hell has a special spot for folks who dedicated their lives to hackery and moral neutrality. Continue, go ahead. Yeah, um, I, I don't, um, is that check cleared yet? I just. Yeah, um, make sure they spell the last name right too, because they often yeah. forget that second yeah. P. Yeah. Usually I've seen that before. I mean, they got the one, the, the, the first P on there. You got to make sure the second P, B-O-P-P, make sure that that's on there. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, and and I think the uh, the spelling there at the end isn't a Freudian slip. We'll come back and look at this new study that says good news we're going to completely, totally revolutionize much of the First Amendment for a total scam. Next. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a company that was started several years ago by Glenn Beck and some of his associates because like you, they had run into real estate agents who talked a good game, but then when they were needed the most, could not deliver the results that they promised. And they learned the hard way. You know, wouldn't it be cool if somebody put together a referral service that wasn't about agents finding clients, but about clients finding, um, you know, an agent that is worthy of having them for a customer. And, and there's three, three key criteria for you to make the website at realestateagentsitrust.com. Number one, you got to have a vetted, proven track record of success. Number two, you have to have an idea of how a marketing plan works other than, hey, what do you think about holding another open house this weekend? Clean your house immaculately. Three people will show up. No. Uh, and then third, people that get professional courtesy, return calls when promised. Uh, text when promised. If they promise you, hey, I'm always going to give you a 30-minute heads up when I've got a potential buyer in the neighborhood, don't call you when they're three doors down at another home for sale and say, hey, mind if we stop by here in a few, right? You want an agent that you can trust. And especially in a boom market right now, you're going to run into opportunists, all right? Don't be a victim, all right? Take control of the process. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Our guest here at the bottom of the hour is Stephen Black. And um, he is one of those people that we have interviewed on this show every now and then over the years that the culture wants to pretend does not exist. Um, he lived a former life as a homosexual. He has been married to his wife, Robin, uh, since 1986. They have three children and three grandchildren as well. He is now involved in ministry, uh, trying to help people that um, want to be whole in this area and live the life that God created them to have. 
And I thought he'd be fast. He'd be a fascinating uh, person to have on to talk about. What, and there's been other studies like this. This one, though, is probably the most exhaustive genome study on this topic. It's multinational. Uh, it's it's a, a global conglomerate of, of geneticists, scientists from various fields uh, that looked into this. Uh, I, I want to say, Todd, that the sample study here is 100,000 genetic samples that they took a look at, right? Yes, this that, was that, painstaking. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty large, all right? Particularly when you're dealing, it's pretty large in general. But particularly when you're dealing with a community that even in its most concentrated doses in a culture doesn't meet 3% of a cultural threshold. So when you're talking about 100,000 to to try to identify what causes 3% of the population to behave in a way that the other 97 does not, that's a pretty impressive sample size. It was so impressive that I couldn't believe it was true because you can't try to retcon this thing into mm-hmm. it's much much harder into whatever you believe what they want and some of the people who did it tried anyways or right. at least tried to bury it and the fact that you're not hearing about a study i mean i would i would guess a hundred thousand genome study would be one of the largest genetic studies in in modern medical history i would guess i mean we we only figured out how to map the this the human genome like 15 years ago so i, I would imagine this is one of the largest maybe the largest specified genetic marker study that's ever been done and what they found was they could not identify any specific genetic markers that cause anybody um, to, um, to, uh, to, to tilt towards homosexuality. No one is really born this way. There, there were a series of genetic markers that if, if nurtured in the right environment, predispose people to go forth with a series of what could be potentially unorthodox, dangerous, reckless behaviors, right? Correct. But not but that could that could manifest itself in in numerous different ways. Yes. Not specifically where homosexuality is concerned. So Stephen Black, welcome to Blaze TV radio and podcast. I, I, pardon me the long disclaimer, but I wanted to make sure we set this up for our audience as accurately as we possibly could. How are you, sir? I, I'm well. Thank you for having me on. Based on, I know you guys at your ministry have looked at this study quite a bit. We should also mention uh, you're the author of the book, Freedom Realized, Finding Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from Labels. So I wanted to make sure we mentioned the book there as well. Uh, so I know you have looked at this study uh, fairly exhaustively as well. Did we give our audience an accurate summation of its findings? Is there anything you, that you think you should add, subtract, multiply, divide? No, you you handled it well. The only other caveat is, incredibly, the gay media are taking this and saying, well, what this really is showing, and you just can't, you know, sometimes it's just like crazy land, right? Uh, they're saying, well, this actually means that there's uh, homosexuality in all the genes. <laughs> so they, so, they, like, so that wow, means every anybody okay. could be, well, e- even, let's, ac- let's accept that at face value. All right. (laughs) Even if we accept that at face value, it still indicates, therefore, that it's a nurture, not a nature. It still indicates if that if that's true, that that if their interpretation of this study is accurate then anybody given the right nurturing environment um, could end up um, uh, identifying as homosexual. That then, that also then would blow up the the born that way argument. It would indicate then exactly. that that you have certain nurturing things that go on in your past or present that predispose you to tilt towards um, activating that marker. Right. That that still means that, nobody's born that way. 
That's exactly right. And of course, as a pastoral caregiver and having done this this type of work for over 30, uh, going on you know, 32 years, um, the reality and what we see is the the fact that we're born with a sin nature. And so sin and the the propensity for sin is within human flesh this is what the bible teaches as a pastoral caregiver and we understand that there's going to be a propensity towards different types of sin given the surrounding effects and that would also be based upon as you'd read in my book personality temperaments you know the the sensitive artistic male uh, having a propensity towards being uh, feminized or feeling more feminine and then growing up in that environment the bullying the name-calling and uh, and then the the disassociation from male world and associating more with femininity uh, there's going to be a propensity towards same-sex attraction because it actually feels opposite to that young man and that was certainly part of my story along with childhood sexual uh, molestation and and that's another thing they're not really talking about is high percentages more much more than half the people that are in the gay community were sexually abused as children it's funny you mentioned that because um, years ago when Howard Stern left terrestrial radio and went to satellite um, and I was in sports talk radio at the time and, and one of my co-hosts and I had a bet how many F-bombs would Howard Stern drop his very first show free from the FCC, okay? And, and, he, would, and he would put out a, a transcript of his show. And we went through the transcript to count them because the loser was going to have to buy the other guy lunch, all right? Uh, and and on, his very, on that show that day was George Takai, the famous actor from Star Trek, who's become uh, uh-huh. you know, a very well-known uh, homosexual activist now with his celebrity. And on this show, Howard Stern asked him, hey, when did you know you were gay? And Takai begins to describe an incident. I want to say, you know, I, this is like 15 years ago, so I don't remember the transcript precisely. But he, he mentioned he was at a camp. He might have been 11, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. And uh, he had an encounter with a camp counselor. Well, I remember reading through that. I'm like, what he's describing is a molestation. That, that's that's that 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 was his awakening. That's what he's describing. There was a there was a case in Michigan a couple of years ago with a teacher that was charged with sexually assaulting one of his students. And at a sentencing hearing, several of his te- fellow teachers showed up in support of him to say, hey, this male student was 16, 17 years old and and was exploring his his sexuality with this gay teacher. Um, this was not you know, any kind of assault. Well, they're describing the ancient practice of pederasty, essentially shepherding young people, young men, uh, and keeping them on the side and then shepherding them into this lifestyle. If you watch how the Associated Press and major news outlets report when it is a male teacher having sex with a student, with a minor student, they will say he had sex with the student. When it's a female teacher having sex with the male student, they will say he, that she sexually assaulted the student right these are these are some of the things that you're talking about that that have tilted the coverage here and it's largely based off this notion that this is a victim class because people are born this way so we need to completely re-identify how we you know uh, how we practice free speech freedom of worship etc in the culture right that's right. I mean, we've even, uh, under the Obama administration, made Harvey Milk like a, a gay icon saint. Uh, they have now, um, you know, made uh, uh, the um, uh, the big, um, 
um, the the thing in New York where they had the the riots, the uh, the the gay riots. The Stone riots is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, uh, yeah, Stonewall, Stonewall. Stonewall, yeah. And and Stonewall now is a national um, memorial, a mu- museum, and uh, a, la- a national landmark to celebrate LGBTQ plus sign. And people need to pay attention to that plus sign because that is what is going on here. We have Harvey Milk, who was a known serial pedophile. Uh, he loved his hebephilia. You know, he liked his teenage boys. And now he's a, he's a gay icon and a historian for LGBTQ. And so this is progressing now even to where the APA wants to change the word pedophilia to uh, an acronym called MAPS, which would be Minor Attracted Person, because it's a legitimized orientation. So if they're prepubescent, they would be a MAP. If they're postpubescent, they would be a YAP, a Youth Attracted Person. So we don't want to use the word pedophile. So this is going on. And then along with the drag queen story hours that are popping up all over the place, we are, as a culture, now bringing in children and we are normalizing them to this character that is actually an assault on femininity by men dressing up in these these archaic looking uh, uh, what are supposed to be uh, representations. And you'd think the feminists would be incensed by this, wouldn't you, Stephen? You think they would. Yeah. You think they would because it really is <clears throat> an assault on femininity and motherhood. It's <laughs> gross. So you're obviously fiery and passionate about this topic. You you alluded <laughs> you alluded to your own past your own past, uh-huh. right? And and we have a tendency to be the most passionate and fiery about slaying the shibboleths that we once fell for, right? Because that's exactly because right. we know we know from our own experience how far and deep that particular pit goes. Because we used to we used to live there. So share your story with our audience if you wouldn't mind. Sure. So in, in 1983, I had this radical transformative experience with Jesus Christ. Some people may not believe. That's the problem is they don't believe. Unbelief is the problem. But I, I really did. And, and actually, it was on the uh, on the um, uh, the foundation of losing uh, my little brother, who was 18 months younger than me, a year and a half of deep grief and actually crying out to God. I was raised in parochial school as a Catholic. My parents uh, pre was telling me it was always okay to be gay, that God created me that way. I had a lot of confusion, but after my little brother died on Mother's Day, I began crying out to God, and I wanted to know about eternity and where someone like my brother, who was actually a good good kid in the Army, died in the Army, and, uh, and myself, where are we going to spend eternity? Well, long story short, I was in a house with some radical believers. They weren't even witnessing to me. They were talking to their sister who I had been out partying with the night before. And all of a sudden, the very power and the presence of something came over me. I now know it was the Holy Spirit. And um, I heard this voice in my mind, and it said, if you do not accept me tonight, you're going to die. Well, uh, the women were all talking. They all left the room, and there was this man there. His name was also Steve. And I, I said, Steve, I said, I need to know Jesus Christ like you people know him, because they were talking about him coming and coming coming and going from their house and answering prayers. And I thought these people were crazy, but they had something that I didn't. And I heard this voice and my heart was pounding. And then all of a sudden he prayed with me 
And then um, I felt completely different. I saw the crucified Christ alive. I'd always seen the man dead on the cross growing up, but I didn't really believe. And then that night going home, this girl I was with, their sister, asked me, so does this mean you're not going to be gay anymore? And uh, I said, you know, I don't know. I guess it means whatever Jesus has for me. And I got this big, blessed Bible from the Pope, from the Vatican, blessed of the Pope, my parents had. And I prayed over this thing, and I didn't know where to look. That thing was this thick. And I prayed over it, and lo and behold, I flipped it open, and my eyes fell down on Leviticus 18. And I think that that was pretty miraculous, because you just you can't find something like that that easy unless it was supernatural. And so I fell down, and there it was. It said, you know, how there's titles on Bibles, and right above the chapter it said, Laws uh, of Unnatural Lust. And I, I looked, and there it was on, in verse 22. And uh, the Lord gave me the answer, and I was kind of angry because I saw over in chapter 20 that it mean I should be put to death according to the law. But I knelt down beside my bed that night, and I prayed. And Steve, you know, this is my story. People argue against it all the time. But I was a homosexual young man, sex addict, and Jesus Christ set me free. I no longer acted out with men or women uh, after that until I got married to my wife three years later. But the reality is, is that I had to work through some stuff. My brain had to heal from all the trauma, the sexual abuse, all the bullying, all the terrible things I had mm -hmm. gone through. And, uh, and in the summer of 1983, we hear about a mysterious disease called GRID. And back then, in that day, they called it gay-related immune deficiency. And, uh, and God spoke to my heart uh, and said, if you do not accept me tonight, you will die. You know what? More than half the people I knew in the gay community after Robin and I got married 33 years ago, they died within three years. And it was tragic, but it put the fear of God in me. And ever since then, I have been changed. And within a few short months after this, I knew I was called to ministry. I was studying to be an architect, and I thought, you know, I, ministry, money, architect, uh, this is hard. But the Lord convinced me and showed me I needed to comfort people with the same comfort that I have. And so I've been doing that now for over 30 years. Wow. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> wow. Name of the book, Freedom Realized, Finding Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from Labels. And uh, if you're watching or listening to the show today and you don't have some of the same theological convictions that Stephen does or, or we do on the show, understand, though, this, the results of this study are at the epicenter of a lot of public policy nowadays that are affecting what your kids are taught in school, what they're not taught in school, which you used to be able to say, which you can't say anymore. Um, uh, you know, what's the foundation of, of tax law, marriage law, family law? Um, I mean, this, this issue is at the epicenter of a lot of America's most divisive public policy debates today. Uh, you know, it's the very First Amendment of the Bill of Rights uh, is in the crosshairs of this issue. And a lot of it is stemmed from the belief in a certainty that the most exhaustive, maybe the most exhaustive genetic study that's been done since we mapped the human genome says is simply just not true. 
So regardless of your, your theological convictions or your particular position on the morality of sexuality, I, I, th- I think it's absolutely newsworthy if we're going to re and, and completely revolutionize how we see our, the Constitution of the United States based on something that science says is false. It's just not true. Stephen, thank you for joining us here today on the program. It's been a blessing, yeah. man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you for what you do. God bless you. All right, same to you. Take care. So, Todd, you definitely wanted to book uh, Stephen on the show. Your thoughts on the conversation we just had with him? Well, I had high expectations, and it exceeded uh, all of them. Uh, If only, if only we could have a conversation between him and Don Lemon, speaking of what we talked about before. That would be some real journalism, laying all the cards on the table. We could all learn something from that conversation. Yeah, I think I probably know how it will go because you've been with me as I've done a few of these interviews in the past. Yeah. I've done at least a dozen interviews in my career with people who um, lived actively in homosexuality and don't anymore. And I, I'll just tell you what will happen is when, when this gets posted later today, there's going to be a flood of, of, of comments, even from people calling themselves conservatives. They're going to say that that guy was never gay or he was bi and then just decided he didn't like guys anymore. Which, if that's your answer, if, if sexuality is immutable, is is mutable and not immutable, then that's another reason people aren't born that way, right? I mean, if you're born a certain way, then that's a that's a trait that's not mutable. Nobody's ever been formally black, right? You ever met anybody that was formally black? Well, I used to be black, and now I'm not. No, and my body's half white. No, that's an immutable characteristic, right? Correct. Correct. All right, we'll come back. Hour number two is next here, live and on demand on the Blaze. Stay tuned. All right, we are back live and on demand, hour number two here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd, and Aaron are here too. 888-900-3393 is the number if you want to join us as well. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is D-E-A-C if you are listening today via the podcast. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, those would be very appreciated because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms like us. And the more they like us, the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for a living. That's why we would therefore like you, right? Sounds like you're trying to bribe us, Steve, into being your friends. Yes. So please uh, continue leaving us those five-star reviews. Thousands of you have done that for us already, but we can always use thousands more. Well, I've got good news and bad news about that cruise through history we've been telling you about here this year. Uh, The good news is that uh, Glenn Beck is adding even more entertainment while you're going to be out there sailing. The bad news, though, is the cruise is getting very close to sold out. There's literally just a few cabins left. The countries you'll be visiting are amazing, but the historical perspective will be even more incredible. You're going to learn from uh, Glenn, David Barton, Rabbi Lappin, Stu Pat, and more um how america was born out of the lessons of this region the birthplace of western civilization that uh, helped inspire the founding of our constitutional republic if you want to learn more about what it is the the republic the commerce the faith that inspired our founding fathers you don't want to miss out on this incredible experience it's an all-inclusive trip including airfare and gratuities but time again is running short to learn more about the packages uh, still available, go to comesailaway.com for those details. Again, that's comesailaway.com. We have some breaking news. 
Uh, this came out within the last half an hour while we were on the air uh, describe, uh, discussing an entirely different topic, which is why I chose not to to bring it up. Uh, but uh, John Bolton is gone as National Security Advisor. Uh, he is claiming adamantly that he resigned last night. Uh, Trump tweeted this morning that he fired him over, quote, serious disagreements. Um, what would, uh, to me, I think the best take I've seen on this yet comes from Scott Stanfield on my Facebook wall when I posted this breaking news. I thought his analysis, quote, still doesn't take away the fact that in 1984, Uncle Rico could throw a football quarter mile. And if coach would have put him in during the third quarter, they'd have won state. That's... You're being serious, too. That is the best take. That's not even tongue-in-cheek. It's the best comment that's ever been posted on my Facebook wall, ever. Maybe the best comment on anybody's Facebook wall that's ever been posted, ever. But... Considering what is about to happen next, gentlemen, what's about? We all know what's going to happen next, all right? Orange Man Bad Media is going to make John Bolton, who who thinks Lindsey Graham doesn't want to go to war in enough places, he is the ultimate hawk. Is Bolton the 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 Orange Man Bad Media is going to make John Bolton now out to be the man of reason, right? All right, the guy who thinks John that Lindsey Graham doesn't want to be in enough wars, and and then the Cheeto Jesus saves media is going to spin this as, well, this is why Trump hasn't been tougher on North Korea and Iran. You know, his staff is standing in the way because that's what John Bolton is known for, mm. right? Like John Bolton, if he was president, would have nuked North Korea. We'd, we'd all either be dead or North Korea would be gone from a nuclear exchange about uh, a year and a half ago, okay? So when you consider that's what amounts for punditry these days, right? That's, that's what's going to happen. Yes, each side of each tribe is going to, there'll be no critical thinking, no seeing, trying to find out what's the distinctions here. What's this really mean? What's it really going on? No. Each side is going to retreat into their silos with their preferred narratives. We already know what Orange Man Bad is going to say, and we already know what Cheeto Jesus Saves is going to say. So when you say it's not even a joke that this is the best commentary on this, Scott Stanfield's invoking of the sad cautionary tale of Uncle Rico is indeed going to be, I promise you, the best analysis you will hear on this latest development uh, from the long, strange trip of we only hire the best people. It will be the best analysis you'll hear, Todd. I agree. Uh, the only question mark to me, I mean, this is, I don't even have particular national security concerns right off the bat. Um, I need to do a little bit more uh, digging myself. But this is more about how Trump works with all manner of his employees this isn't unique to national security me i mean he just see on the page same page with anybody over there uh that 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 really matters or i i should put it uh, the ones he is on the same page with matter a lot but in a a, a bad way or an inc- a, a, a way that is very frustrating but he's been all over the map his entire presidency so this is new i'm just used to this what's going to be interesting is uh, this is probably the most heavyweight it'll be interesting what bolton does and where he chooses to do it i can't flat out seeing him go in all cnn with can you i no. in fact he's texting there's a report out right now that i was reading as you were talking that he is he is texting fox news hosts in fact there's an exchange brian kilmeade it, so just to because we don't we don't respond or acknowledge anything anonymous from or about the white house we just think there's so many so many everybody everybody thinks the other side is so bad that it's just okay to lie with impunity and I'm not here to, 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 to judge that per se, except when we're going to have a, you know, a thing over my shoulder here that says truth be told, 
And both sides of the anonymous quote equation think it's totally fair game to just lie with impunity about the other. It's really hard for us to tell you to try to do our best to tell you the truth when everybody on both sides of the lie is lying. <laughs> right? So we don't acknowledge anything on this show that is not is sourced by the person itself when it comes to this presidency. All right. So Brian Kilmeade at Fox just now, I'm, I'm watching the video clip. Brian Kilmeade at Fox just now is saying that John Bolton is texting me, says he's watching Fox News. And it wants to make it clear, I resign. That's a direct quote just a few minutes ago from Brian Kilmeade on the air at Fox. So he's not, Mr. Bolton is not going quietly. And he's not going to do, he's not going to pull a Scaramucci here. Because here's why. Bolton is a hardcore foreign policy right winger. Hardcore. Like, like we're like, dude, this show would be like, give peace a chance, brah. All right. I, you know, I'm, I'm dead serious. I know. Okay. Like there's not a country he doesn't think the U.S. military should not put its boot to the throat on. Just for looking at us funny. So... Bolton, I cannot see going the Scaramucci route because he's not, he's a, he's a long time foreign policy hawk. His, his conservative street cred on this and for a long time, you know, right wing foreign policy hawks, he's a, he's a favorite son. So, so the fact that he's tuning into Fox right now and he's watching and he's texting them and he's letting the media know I did not resign or I did not quit or did not get fired. I quit is tells me he's not going away quietly and he's he's concerned and if you look at the timetable of events that have gone on here there's been there's been all of the slurping over north korea and and we have noted on this show that after trump has done that you'll watch bolton and mike pompeo um go out there and just completely contradict a lot of what trump says uh when he's done fawning over north korea um there's the uh Ted Cruz has been concerned that Trump wants to go soft on Iran and has been pointing out, you know, where Iran has been violating um, even the, the qualifications to re to put another a new deal back in place. And now you've got, well, I was going to meet with the Taliban at Camp David. If you're a hardcore hawk. Like John Bolton. And you're like, why isn't it? Why isn't? Pyongyang a parking lot yet how come we don't have a an Ayatollah body count and I thought we were bringing the Taliban here because we were going to shoot we we're going to go Miller's Crossing out in the forest and blow these guys brains out in the dead of night and make an example out of them that's how John Bolton rolls all right and you're telling him no we actually are negotiating with the Taliban <laughs> well we you know we're, we're wondering if we're too hard on Iran and I think North Korea is a great I think Pyongyang's a great place for a Trump hotel uh, John Bolton has spent his life in this and I don't agree with him all the time by the way right um, but he's dedicated to this and this is not some clown Omarosa Rex Tillerson clown show this guy's serious a serious thinker. He's got serious friends, and um, I don't. I don't see him caring that MAGA sixty nine me on Twitter is tweeting is tweeting back to Bill Mitchell about how uh, uh, John Bolton is trying to help the Democrats win. I I don't think he cares about any of that. All right. I mean, he's still wearing a Harry Reams mustache like it's seventy five guys. Okay. 
So I, I don't, I, I could see this becoming a mess based on the early returns. I, I could see John Bolton viewing himself as someone's got to be the patriot here and save the president from himself, more than likely Javanka. And someone, someone's got to be the heavy. Someone's got to be the bad guy. Someone's got to be willing to risk their future cable news uh, contributor contract with Fox. Someone's got to be willing to draw the ire of the of Bill Mitchell's fake followers on Twitter. Someone's got to be finally the adult in the room and stand up here and say, you're the freaking president of the United States. And if you follow John Bolton, and I've interviewed him a couple times, I don't know him at all, other than those interviews. But if you have followed his career, I could absolutely see him thinking that he's the one for the job. He's the one for the job. So I, I don't think this is the last we've heard of John Bolton at all. Your thoughts on that before we move on to fake news or not? Oh, I, I, I absolutely agree. By the way, these, are, I, these are forecasts, okay? Because I actually agree with Trump about getting out of, out of Afghanistan and not John Bolton. I certainly agree more on North Korea and Iran with John Bolton than I do with Trump, right? So this is not a dogmatic, I'm not choosing your binary side, all right? I'm not saying that John Bolton's even right to do this. I'm just saying I'm giving you the weather forecast of what I think is going to happen. I, I just think we're going to find out that it's not so much a difference in foreign policy, but that uh, he came to realize that Trump's foreign policy is just his policy and everything else. And it's his personality. It's just I, I, I think I can do a charm offensive with everybody. I think I can look everybody in the eye, no matter how evil they may be mm -hmm. and, uh, and square them up in a way that no, nobody can. Uh, I, I, and I think that's just finally got exhausting to him, just like it gets exhausting to everybody else. Uh, yes, that is, that is correct. There is this though. And you just pointed out the right wing hawk credentials of John Bolton on foreign policy. Here's maybe the concerning thing, though. I would say for most of his tenure as NSA, National Security Advisor, for President Trump, our foreign policy has been what amounts to a dead fish handshake, uh, basically. And if that's what happens when your NSA is John Bolton, I'm not exactly looking forward to what happens when it's, um, you know, uh, one of one of Javanka's uh, buddies. Uh, that's... So there's that. But what Todd said, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, actually, I think re rings true. It's just it, it maybe doesn't matter. It's just Trump and he's just out there doing things, yep. just doing things. Well, this will be fascinating because we've never seen anybody really go after Trump from his right. We haven't seen that yet. I mean, Scaramucci, Amorosa, all these other, Rex Tillerson's a lifelong progressive corporatist who, if he worked in any other industry other than oil, could have been Hillary Clinton's secretary of state if she had won, okay? Um, so we've never seen someone from the hard right or the traditional hard right decide that, um, that they're going to go at publicly after Trump. And that's, and that's allowed Trump to have all of that space on the right because he's always challenged from the left, right? The, the Bill Crystals of the world, um, you know, the, the Bill Welds of the world, the John Kasichs. This will be fascinating to watch. Now, what Bolton may find is the hard right is not, is not into America as mall cop as much as it was in 05. Like, I, think, I think you and I are perfect examples of this probably in our own uh, positions on these sorts of things. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see <clears throat> how Bolton draws those distinctions.
because most of America rightfully wants out of Afghanistan. And, and for, we, we've given enough blood, sweat, and tears. If they can't stabilize their own country and fall prey to the Taliban, that's a them problem. We, we can't save the world. We're not the church, all right? And you tell the Taliban, no, I wouldn't cut any deals with the Taliban either. I just get the hell out and I tell them, if you guys ever, if you look at us funny ever again, yeah. all right, this is going to be a toxic waste dump. I didn't, all right. I didn't realize we negotiated with the likes of the Taliban. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I totally I agree. And, and by the way, if you're putting up, if you're defending the president, I saw some conservative prostitutes doing this. If, no. if, if, you're, if you're defending Trump offering a Camp David meeting with the Taliban by pointing out Bill Clinton met with, had Yasser Arafat, the original Islamist terrorist, all right, the, 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 the OG, <laughs> by Bill, that Bill Clinton had Yasser Arafat to Camp David, unless you're doing that to, to point out the hypocrisy of the media, which, by the way, you're right about that, okay? But if you're morally justifying, that's... Whataboutism. That's a terrible precedent that ain't that it, it chief yeah that's 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 not the precedent you're looking for so i i don't think this is this is going to go away now go away could mean we're still talking about it in three hours and today's <laughs> right because most things yep. now just go away in 10 minutes okay but uh, something tells me at least in today's news cycle now tomorrow you know you might get bored tomorrow you know he might change his mind but at least for this news cycle john bolton is not going quietly into the good night may not last but for this news cycle He's he's gonna he's gonna have his say. We'll see whether it matters or not. All right, let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by Riduzone. If you're wondering why you aren't making your fitness goals, even though you're getting more active and making a lot of the other right health decisions, it could be just you know what our bodies were made to crave calories. And willpower only takes you so far. That's why you were given a molecule called OEA that goes from the brain up to the, or from the gut up to the brain to tell the brain, hey, we're full. You can stop eating, get on with the rest of your physiological business. All right. Unfortunately, for too many of us, that signal, that molecule just isn't as strong as it needs to be. And that's where Riduzone comes in. The website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. If you go to Riduzone right now and you get a three-month supply, They'll give you 30% off if you use my name, Steve, as the promo code. Here's what you need to know about Riduzone. No caffeine, no stimulants, no chemicals. FDA accepted, all right? All it is is this molecule, OEA. That's all that it is to help you with your portion sizes and your craving control, all right? 30% off a three-month supply at riduzone.com when you use promo code Steve. All right, let's get to it. Fake news or not, we've got a collection of clips. Todd and Aaron, you will decide if this clip either from a platform or a person that is being marketed as telling the real news to what's left of America, are they fake news or not? Here's number one makes the country safer and you said by next the end of next year you are expecting 450 to 500 miles of wall uh the washington post has reported that uh the president would like a wall to be painted black and that by doing that the extra cost would actually shorten the wall uh that you're hoping to build by four miles have you objected to this to the president is the president uh, with this directive making the country less safe no so i i think uh, there's a, a lot that goes into it, and that's why i always say I, I give an approximate like 450 to 500 miles because there's a lot of factors that go into that uh, i i i'm on 
constant uh, communication with, with the, the general, General Semonite that's leading the Army Corps of Engineer efforts. And there's a lot of factors that go in there. The terrain, what they hit when they start digging, you know, the factors go on and on. I think it's common sense. And so there are a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, to include uh, adding anti-climbing uh, um, features to the wall as well. Painting is one of those. Uh, sure, there will be a cost associated with that, and that may impact the number of miles. But again, the operational impact that it will get through painting. You support painting the wall? I think we need to strike a balance between making sure that the miles we build is the most effective wall system we build. All right, so I'm not going to ask you guys. I didn't tell you this ahead of time, okay? You're not going to be asked to determine whether a silly conversation about the color we're painting a wall that Mexico was supposed to pay for and never did, that we were promised would be built and still has yet to be, okay? We're not, we're not, I'm not here to ask you about that clip. I'm going to supply the explanation for why Trump wants the wall painted black, and you're going to tell me if I'm fake news or not, okay? What is Trump's campaign song? You can't always get what you want. Performed by who? The Rolling Stones. That's why Trump wants the wall painted black. Because what's one of their signature songs? Paint it black. Paint it black. Is that fake news or not? <laughs> I can't tell if that laugh is, Steve, that's ridiculous, or why the hell didn't I think of that first? Which one is it? Or is it both? That's Uncle Rico stepping yeah. up again, man. Yep. Uh, sure. Sure. That's why he wants it painted black. It's, it's one of the great songs the Rolling Stones ever did. Mm-hmm. Right? Now I've got it stuck in my head. Thank you very much. And you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you can paint it black if that's what you need. Right? Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, start me up. You never know what's going to happen. I'll be your beast of burden around here. Right? Yeah. You know, you put you under my thumb, you know, but what do you say? Right? Let's get to clip number two. Dispute the characterization about our economy, that, that it is that the characterization that comes out of the White House, at least, that the, the economy is strong. Absolutely, I contest that. Because you can buy growth, you know, show me the number you want to get to, and I'll tell you the price to get there. But think about what the Fed has been doing. You know, if you look at the average recession over the last 50 years, you've seen a five and a five. Five points in terms of lowering of interest rates by the, the, by the Fed in terms of dealing with that recession, and about a five-point increase in terms of the size of the deficit. Guess what? We got no room on either side right now. And the Fed doesn't have room to move, and from a fiscal policy standpoint, in terms of government, it doesn't have room to we are We are more vulnerable than I think we've been at any point in, in our, the history of our country. So this is Mark Sanford's attempt to practice some Sun Tzu art of war where your opponent thinks they're strongest attack. All right? And... This is this is his first real messaging attempt that I saw as Trump as a Trump primary opponent to to try to have a, a rationale for his candidacy other than orange man bad and I'm pissed that he took me out in my primary. All right. Um, fake news or not, Aaron, you get to go first this time. I don't even know what uh, you can buy a good economy means. So he's leading with that. Um, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fake news on, on this. I I don't even know. I don't even maybe maybe I just need to be a wonk with this uh, this answer. 
uh, you know, with with trying to break this down. But I'm going to say it's fake. I don't even know what he's trying to what he's trying to insinuate with that with that comment. In, insinuate is a good word because here here's what you need to do if you're at all serious, uh, Mark. You need to not end with things like uh, the most. Uh, serious time in all of american history uh because we know your background story and you're kind of prone to flights of fancy and not being totally honest so if you run i'm happy to hear you about all manners economic but you can't go into hyperbolic nonsense based on on your history you better talk clear dollars and cents and data and leave the drama out of it if i'm going to hear you if, if you could buy yourself robust growth, if it was just that simple, Congressman, why didn't Barack Obama, why wasn't he successful at it? So I, I think I get what he's trying to say. I think he needs to say it a hell of a lot better. That was that. my point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I was backing you up. All right, clip number three. I, I think it'd be very hard for Biden to he's got a win place or show in both Iowa and New Hampshire. If he doesn't do that, that's what I would consider his campaign over. So that's Rick Tyler, who I worked with on the Cruz campaign when he was the communications director there for a while. Uh, he is now uh, an analyst for MSNBC laying out the case why he thinks uh, that Joe Biden has to win place and show win place or show in both of the, which means finished in the top three. In both of the early states, Iowa, New Hampshire, or the, otherwise he is done. Aaron. I think that's totally true news. I, I would say he has to I would say he has to uh, get at least first place in one of the two. I don't think Tyler goes even far enough there, uh, but I think overall that is true news. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Rick does go far enough. I, I think he's got to win one of those two early states. That's why I was going to say it was fake news. I, he has to do much. I mean, good grief. I mean, I think I think he is. I, I think he is going to finish top three in both of those states. I, and that's terrible. If I had to, if I had to guess, having having been around Rick for years and knowing how much he dislikes Trump, if I had to guess, his analysis is somewhat tainted by the the this notion that Biden is the is the candidate of normalcy in the Democratic Party, and and so I'm going to let me lower the bar for him. In the hopes that, um, you know, because I, I really would like him to be the nominee so I could, they could give me a candidate to justify not voting for Donald Trump. Think that's fair? No, you know the man, sure. Yeah. I, 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 I think that's fair. I, there's no way you can be the favored candidate, the, a sitting vice president for eight years with the most popular Democratic politician not named Bill Clinton since Kennedy and not win one of the early two states finish third in both of them and still be the nominee? No way. No way. No. I never thought we'd have a fake news or not featuring this gentleman, but we do. The people voted and, you know, they have to get on with it. Not, suddenly it's like, oh, well, we don't like that vote. And uh, what do you mean you don't like that vote? You had the vote. This is what won. Let's get on with it. Would you have voted that way? I would have voted for Brexit, yeah. I would have voted to get out. But don't tell Bob Geldof. <laughs> Why did you vote that way, Ringo? Well, because I think, it's, I think it's a great move. I think, you know, to be in control of your own country is a good move. That's, I, he, I know he's over 80. 
80-something-year-old Ringo Starr, who just had his birthday, by the way, the, the, his annual uh, Peace and Love uh, Festival. That's his annual birthday party that he has every year, okay? Because that's kind of his tagline, all right? So that's Richard Starkey, otherwise known to the world as Ringo Starr, one of the last surviving members of the Beatles, who once played uh, lead drums on a song the Beatles wrote called Taxman because they were pissed that um, the top marginal tax rate in the UK was essentially the government got $19 for every dollar you earned if you were in the top marginal tax rate at the time, right? Saying that he voted for Brexit and uh, that uh, he thinks it's a great move and, and essentially warning his own government. If you just have people vote and then ignore it, that's, that's not peace and love, <laughs> right? All right, so, I mean, you might end up, hey, you might end up in an octopus's garden one day. If you have people, if you take a vote and then ignore what people have to say, they might ship you out of here in a yellow submarine, if you know what I'm saying, right? They might, they might start wielding, they might show up at Parliament with, with one of those Maxwell silver hammers if you go down this road. What do you think, Todd? Fake news or not? Were oh. you more impressed by that or the Rolling Stones riff? Uh, yes. It's, Thank you. As long as we're not as long as we're not talking about pumpkin spice, I'm impressed. Uh, that's well, of course. Well, we are going to find out what Ringo thinks about that, that but later. That's next. That's week. of course true news, and it's a testimony to what I said about how common sense is dead because he's just telling you guys one plus one equals two here. I mean, and you you keep you keep writing a new version of the Walrus, man. You're you're speaking gibberish. I let let me let me write you. If a, he would have ended that with cuckoo kachoo, I'd be dead. I'd be dead right now. If he would have <laughs> ended that rant with cuckoo kachoo, I'd have just died. What's fake news? Did you see the up above? Said former beetle. Yeah. Come on, man. That's like former marine. You're <laughs> yeah, never a former beetle. Yeah. You're never formally the of the most transformative pop culture phenomenon in Western civilization's history. You're, if you're a, you're former when you're in the ground. If you're alive, you're not. Former. You know that that was like some woke real life Titania McGrath back there. Well, we're going to call him a former beetle. That happened for sure. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's total real news, and this is this is one of those things where this is quite a bit different. Where he's just stating the obvious because the obvious is being ignored, uh, not because he thinks the obvious is some sort of revolutionary idea, a la Chris Hayes uh, last week. Uh, I think this is total real news. So here's why I put this clip in, okay? Because you guys know I have a disdain for. Let's glom on the minute any celebrity a minute says anything that affirms what we think and, and make them our new conservative hero, right? We have, we have annihilated that notion on this show routinely. The reason I put that clip in was, was for him to go to the BBC and do this interview and go on the record in public, swim against the entire tide of, of his own peer group, you know, we have, we, have, we have noted that these progressives never lose because they know they just wait us out, lie to us, and, you know, and, and, and get their way. Well, this is a variable that could change some things. Right? You're, you're talking still about somebody with an immense amount of transcendent appeal. And, if, and for him to go, if he, if, he, if he is serious about this, if this isn't just a shot across the bow, and if he, if, like, if he hold it, held a rally... In London, someplace on this, hundreds of thousands of people would come. It was like a concert. That's the kind of thing that can freak the progressives out when pop culture turns against them because they think they own that. That's their space. Indeed. And so that's where I, that's why I included this clip to see, is this a one and done? Because if he's serious about this, now that, that could be a game changer. More in a moment. 
here on the Steve Day Show. If you're one of the millions of Americans struggling with inflammation in the body that's causing you chronic pain, relief might just be a few seconds away. It's called Relief Factor. It's one of my favorite products we talk about uh, here on the show. Uh, I use it on a daily basis myself. Total believer. It's made a huge uh, impact and improvement on, on the way I feel and move in my mobility and lack of soreness each and every day. And uh, what I love the most about Relief Factor is it's it's a it's a formula created by physicians, but it's 100% drug free. And what that tells you is these these are doctors that understand you're a created being. You're just not a a, a sequence of randomly evolved chemicals, all right? But there's a there's a purpose and a point to you being here. And and one of the things that your creator gave your body is the ability to push back on inflammation. But um, we're just not as good at that. Uh, as we as we used to be. Some of it is we live longer than other generations did. Some of it is we're less active than other generations were, so our bodies are are not uh, as uh, as calloused uh, towards impact than uh, they they might have been in past eras. Uh, some of it is uh, that uh, what we eat, you know, chronic means behaviorally induced. Okay, so whichever the cause for your inflammation may be. Relief factor, I think, is worth a try, especially with the starter kit. Just a dollar a day for three weeks. All right. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day? Except maybe, finally, hopefully the pain. Give Relief Factor a shot. Get that three week starter kit for 20 bucks right now at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. We are going to get to Pop Culture Tuesday, but especially in light of John Bolton's firing slash resignation today. As National Security Advisor, I, I certainly think this clip that we ran out of time to play in the last segment needs to be um, uh, needs to be shared now. This is General Mattis. Was was he DOD or NSA? Do you guys remember which position he DOD. had? DOD. He was D. Yeah. All right. So former Secretary of Defense speaking about the greatest threats facing America. Watch this. I think the biggest national security threat can be broken. Uh, into two segments. One is external, and clearly those nations, uh, Russia and China, that are trying to impose their authoritarian models and decisions over other countries, whether it be in the South China Sea or in the Ukraine, uh, in parts of Georgia that Russia's occupied, they've mucked around in our elections. So externally, I would look at those two, and that's why we rewrote the national defense strategy to acknowledge the reality of those nations, not the nations we wanted to be dealing with, but the Russia of Putin, the reality, the Russia of President Xi, or excuse me, the China of President Xi. But internally, my bigger concern is twofold. It's, it's our growing debt that we're going to transfer to the younger generation uh, with seeming no fiscal discipline. And more than that, it's the, it's the lack of friendliness. It's the increasing contempt I see between Americans who have different opinions. I mean, we're going to have to sit down and remember, if we want this country to survive, we're going to have to work together. Fake news or not, Aaron, you're first. Um, this might alarm some of you. All of that. Now, some of the things were objectively true, um, but given the source of, of where that came from, that was complete and utter horse bleep. Hmm. I'm dead serious. 
This is the same guy. I talk to me. Okay. Um, you can talk to me later about all those things that you just diagnosed. The national debt. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, a lack of a, a lack of civility. A lack of friendliness. That's that sounds a lot like swamp tongue to me. But let's give him the the biggest benefit of the doubt and say yes. He was talking about the gen, general lack of civility general um, a lack of, of awareness of what reality actually is in America. Um, th- let's give him the best benefit of the doubt on that one. All of the external threats that he talked about, he was, he was uh, and still uh, is, maybe a general, or is he a retired general now? He would mm-hmm. know, he would know that stuff. Um, how would we defend ourselves from any of those external threats? How are we going to work together against any of the internal threats when we don't even know what an innie and an outie is. Yep. And this guy is down to clown with trannies in the military. Talk to me later when you figure that one out, Mr. Mattis. Yes. And then, uh, and then we, can, we, we can have a discussion and I might uh, take you seriously. Yes. Hmm. Spike that football, Aaron. That's the direction I was going to go. You want uh, respect for differences of opinion. That that's what you can do in a culture when the Venn diagram, the circles, there's some overlap there. That's what you can do, and that's how you got through some really tough times, as hard as it was. Uh, uh, unions uh, versus big corporations, but they still went to a lot of the same churches. They still believed a family was a family. Uh, they didn't have bathroom issues. There, there's there's this, the circles don't touch anymore. There's no respect to be had. Uh, and that's one of the lies we keep telling. They don't respect us anymore. We keep telling ourselves that lie. And so and we're telling ourselves like right now that, uh, you know, you got to respect the fact that there's just going to be drag queen story hour. And if you don't respect that, right. then Western civilization can't last and the Christians are bound to the catacombs. because That's nonsense. I have no respect for it and I will not tolerate it. And so you can't and nor should I, nor should I. We have to pick sides. You nailed it, Aaron. I, I can't say anything better than what you said. A- everything he said is true as a standalone statement. But when, when you're, you've been a person in the past who's used his office to be a vehicle to remand the president's orders to get rid of uh, mentally ill gender dysphoria people in the military. Mm-hmm. And he just, he did his, when he was there, they just ignored the president's order. They just ignored it. Okay. Um, when, when your idea, when you're, when you're a person who says we can sacrifice the fundamentals of existence and then, you know, um, why can't we hold hands and sing Kumbaya? Todd, you're right. No, no, my, my worldview actually doesn't permit me to do that. Even, Even if I were to be inclined in my flesh to want to, my worldview tells me I'm here uh, to blow up your um, uh, your your sympathies with the devil, and, if we're going to keep dropping Rolling Stones references and, here, and that's so important to say because it, I mean it is happening fast. Just within the last couple weeks, month, there are many conservative Christians who, outside of maybe um, uh, stylistic points on on rhetoric. People would have seen no daylight between you, Steve, and them, and they are defending the kind of thinking. That we just heard. Right. We are in very be, dangerous times. I'd, I'd be curious to get General Matt, like if I was listening to that, I said, what is, what's your thoughts on Drew Brees? So here's a football player who's been, who was critical of President Bush's handling of Hurricane Katrina, is no fan of Donald Trump's, but is a man of faith. He's been a frequent guest on Ellen DeGeneres' show. 
he's fairly, you know, middle of the road politically. Um, and, and yet, here's a guy that, even though he's not a big fan of the current president, the minute he did a video for an organization that, that divorced itself, Focus on the Family divorced itself from partisan politics. It doesn't do that anymore. All right. After with the new regime that it well, not that new now, it's been almost a decade, but that regime doesn't do partisan politics. They're not, it's not the James Dobson focus on the family anymore. They're totally out of that racket. So for what's largely a nonpartisan organization, and all he did was urge kids to bring their Bibles to, to school. He was labeled all forms of manner of homophobe and bigot. What's your response to that? Because what I'd like to know and maybe, maybe I'll add this caveat to what you said, Aaron, because I agree with it. I'm also, though, as I get older, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm getting softer. And that's not good in some respects. I, I, I am growing tired of burying people. I, I want someone to show me they're, they're, that I was wrong to prematurely, you know, uh, give them the, the red shirt and beam them down to the surface. All right. So I'd like to ask this follow-up question. What, what's your reaction to somebody like Drew Brees who probably agrees with a lot of what you just said? And yet, all he did was urge kids to take advantage of their First Amendment freedoms and bring their Bibles to school, and he was called every form of bigot, homophobe, etc. Is that an example of the divisiveness you're talking about? Because... Is, Aaron, it, a, is Aaron, it a two-way street Yes, here? yeah, because yeah. Aaron, your presupposition is right, and you haven't been at this racket as long as Todd and I have and most of our audience has. That code language is you shut up while we ruin your culture. Right. Right. That's you. Can you think of a context that it didn't mean that in your entire li- lifetime in politic, political awareness? Can you remember a time that it did not mean that? Love that slippery slope. Yeah. Can you Love ever remember? Can you remember a time you didn't turn on the tolerance and accommodation boulevard and it wasn't a one way street ever, nope. ever. So given the fact this man's a great patriot, I'd ask that question to give him the chance to show that he's not full of poo. Because everyone else that has used that kind of language has been. Everyone else that has ever used that kind of language, what it has meant is we ruin the culture and you shut up, bigot. That's what it really means. Which is actually, although it may not seem like an on the surface, the perfect segue to the triggering aversion. This week's Pop Culture Tuesday, when we look at the intersection between culture and conservatism. Uh, particularly pop culture. Now, this is a this this has become such a tired topic on this show. It's almost a trope now. Yeah, like is, I'm not doing any more buy sell hold on the on this for a while. But this angle to it is new. That's why I wanted to approach it. Plus, I wanted to trigger you. Right. So here's the preamble to this topic. Ryan Johnson, director of The Last Jedi, compared his movie and the reaction to it to The Empire Strikes Back, and said when he was a kid, he was disappointed in The Empire Strikes Back too because it wasn't the movie he had hoped it was going to be. And it had too deep of themes. And then as he got older, as an adult, he learned to appreciate it more and now thinks it's the best of the Star Wars movies. I actually had that same read of Empire Strikes Back when I was little, right? I, I was like, the good guy's lost? I, I, I waited outside a man's Chinese theater with my old man for two hours for the good guys to lose at the end of the movie and I got to wait three years to find out what happens and Darth Vader might be Luke's dad? That can't be true, Right. So I, I had that same experience with The Empire Strikes Back. And as I grew older, I grew to see the film for the masterpiece that it is. So while my experience with Empire is what he described, I got a call horse bleep. Though, don't you, Todd, on claiming that the, think? the disagreement with his movie is similar to the disagreement in tone difference between Empire 
and A New Hope. I'm, I'm, I, I got to call Barbara Streisand on that. It was last night when I got this. You know that, you know, your kids step out of line, but you're just kind of, you've been doing this for a while, and you, 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 it's nothing to overreact to. You deal with it, but every once in a while, and I, I, I'm blessed it doesn't happen, but every once in a while, there's, you, you just, there's the pause and you look up and you have to think for a second did i just hear what i just heard and, it, and then you say did, did i gotta slap you around now did you did you really just say that yeah that's my reaction i mean this this guy is a farce he should be deported <laughs> he should be really deported. before he ruins anything else um <laughs> i don't i you mean what his stupid little uh anti-trump movie is far less offensive than you know trying to retcon this disaster of a movie by saying yeah it's pretty much just uh, the same thing as uh, empire strikes back and and you'll all appreciate uh uh my genius uh you know once you give it a little bit more time he's just looking down on you he's telling you he's better than you i mean stick it where the sun don't shine ryan johnson so this is an article from the daily wire here's the headline last jedi director ryan johnson's latest film is uh, f you to trump voters critics love it I'm just going to read this and let you guys react, okay? So this is from the Daily Wire. After alienating a large portion of his audience with thinly veiled SJW sermonizing in The Last Jedi, director Ryan Johnson's latest film, Knives Out, makes its goal of taking direct aim at Trump supporters front and center. According to Society Reviews, after debuting at the Toronto Film Festival, Ryan Johnson's latest outing has garnered a certified fresh 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with critics all over social media heaping praise upon it for having the not-so-courageous audacity to mock Trump supporters and white entitlement in a town packed with hardcore members of the anti-Trump resistance. Knives Out is the fun FU to rich white Trump voters. Wrapped in a, by the way, the, the wealthier voters have voted Democrat in the last three presidential elections. But anyway, uh, Knives Out, actually last four, last four. Knives Out is a, is a fun FU to rich white Trump voters wrapped in crafty Agatha Christie packaging. Very pro-immigration and none of this is subtle. Enjoy it in a crowd, said one critic. Another one. Congrats to Ryan Johnson for writing the most tele, t- telenovela of films. Knives Out is a total blast and a total takedown of privilege, gringos, and perceptions through a genre that's very missed. Empire Magazine says Knives Out is a ton of fun, a slippery, stylized murder mystery littered with zingers that's also a satire of Trump's America. Collider writes, Knives Out is a total delight from start to finish. It's also a scathing indictment of American greed in the Trump era. I'll have more on that when the movie opens in November. And uh, a a critic from RogerEbert.com, apparently that's still a thing, writes, because he's been dead years now, one of the many things I loved about Knives Out, it takes direct aim at the MAGA crowd, right? And um, there's more to it, but I'll stop there. Gentlemen, the floor is now yours. That total lack of imagination and petty juvenile anger that it took to make that movie is exactly why you got the star wars movie you got in scenes like that one at the end with rose and on her sort of deathbed with with finn and we do this with love i mean it's just it's just terrible but this is um but get you it's not just Star Wars. We, we, it's very personal for those of us who grew up with uh, Star Wars, but this is just going to be uh, more and more of the content uh, uh, you get. Um, that 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 ego that drives them to write a movie like Trump. And, and look at, I mean, George Lucas did it with stupid Lot Dodd and Newt Gunray and mm-hmm. what he. It, they Only a Sith deals in yeah. absolutes. These 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 are cultists, which of course is an. 
Yeah, absolute. They can't. They can't help themselves. If it wasn't in the Constitution, themselves. it wouldn't be constitutional. Prepared to be disappointed, on co- even though it's not Ryan. And now it's back to JJ. I'm just just prepare for the worst cinematic disappointment you've ever seen. Aaron? Well, I think this is, at the end of the day, just a summation of that phrase that you use quite often, Steve, of um, everything leftists touch gets better. I mean, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's quite astounding. I, I didn't know we needed a movie like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we really do. Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of down with this. You think there's a dearth on anti-Trump yeah. content in pop culture? I don't because I, yeah, I was saying I, I was just saying that I'm surprised there hasn't been more. Yeah, but, I mean it's yeah. there's there is a niche here that uh, that needs to be filled, and I can't think of any better anybody um, that could do that better than the guy who maybe gave me my worst, most disappointing experience in in a movie theater before. And uh, I, I really applaud him. He's really taking on the American way here of, of looking at a niche, seeing his own skills, talents, and God-given abilities, using them to fill that niche, and then profiting off of them. Maybe he'll be one of the rich people who voted for Trump after this uh, because he'll make so much money. But uh, hats off to Ryan Johnson for this. I, really visionary. The stuff that he said in there, really, really original and visionary. Really made me think through this whole Trump thing in a, in a different light, in a diff- different way. And uh, boy, uh, Godspeed, man. Godspeed. <laughs> um, so you win the argument. If there was ever any doubt, well, this movie's not out yet, but all these critics are noting it, those that have seen it. If there was ever any doubt that what the intent of that film was supposed to be, then I, I think you win the argument, Todd. I think that, um, I think that settles it. I think you win the argument. Wow. So I, mean, I still think it's a great film. You- I still think it's a great film. Um, but it's very clear, though, what the intent of the film was meant to be. See, I, th- I can't. This is. I can't understand why this film doesn't infuriate infuriate you. I do. I, I sooner or later, I thought. I thought it would. I thought it would happen. You know why? Oh, we're going to be running out of time. So I'll tell you what. Tomorrow, Wednesdays are casual. We got buy, seller, hold. Right, that takes up a lot of the sure. show. Tomorrow, before we get to buy, seller, hold, ask me that question again, okay? And I want to, and then, and and then remember. I think the name is. Um, there's a there's a, a movie I, uh, that Amy and I recently saw. That's what's called a black comedy, meaning it's a it's, yeah. it's gallows humor. All right, and I want to bring that movie into this conversation. Okay, right? so tomorrow you ask me that question when I have time to answer it. Okay, okay. So tomorrow or yesterday, Liberty University and Jerry Falwell is trending number one in the world all day on Politico. We're going to discuss why in the overtime, all right, for our Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com slash Dace if you want to be one. For the rest of you, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. 